All right, y'all ready to learn something this morning? All right, we let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word's always on time, always true. Thank you, Father, for the people you have appointed here at this appointed time, Father. Thank you for penetrating them with your word, giving them hope as they leave here, changing them forever, God, causing them to repent in their mind, Father, to change their mind toward you, that you are a loving Father, not someone who's out to get them. Father, we thank you. You put all that on your son, Jesus, so that we may have life. Thank you, Father, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go right into it. Uh, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. This, uh, this used to get me a little bit because I, I was like, what, man? I used to preach on this and, and I used to put, a, I, 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 I unintentionally would put people in bondage because of these, uh, these verses. But uh, the Lord, if you ever ask him, hey, this doesn't make sense to me. Can you help me out a little bit? He does. Amen. Always let scripture interpret scripture. Don't, don't let people, don't just trust a commentary. Don't trust uh, me. <laughs> Trust the word. The word is always perfect, and he'll always show you if you have a, a question for him. All right, so it says, enter by the narrow gate. Say gate. gate. Narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, I grew up thinking, man, there's not going to be a lot of people in heaven. That the, ma the majority of the population uh, will be in hell and that only a certain few will be in heaven. Have you guys heard that? Like, because only a few people will find Jesus. Jesus here is the gate. They say, I'm going to show you that that's not the case. All right? I'm going to let the word show you that's not the case. Amen. Uh, here's another verse that you can find in Revelation. Chapter 7, verse 9, after these things, things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, say great multitude, uh, which no one could number. No one could number this multitude, right? Uh, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Man, John had a vision. He said, one day in heaven, there's going to be so many people that you can't count them. You won't be able to count them. And so... When people say, hey, there's only going to be 144,000 in heaven, say, um, the Bible says they're not going to be able to count them, so how'd you do that? Yeah, yeah, where'd you get that calculator from, bro? Right? Or the Bible says that. The Bible says this too. So the Bible never contradicts itself, ever. So there's got to be something there, right? So the truth lies somewhere in the Word, not in my interpretation of it, in the Word. The Bible says there's going to be an innumerable amount. You will not be able to count the amount of people in heaven. So can Jesus be the gate? If, if Jesus is the gate, then, man, few people are going to find him. Right? So go back to Matthew 7. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. If Jesus is the gate, if Jesus is the gate, then there's only a few that's going to find him. I don't think that's it. Because in heaven, we just saw... Now, how do you get to heaven, by the way? You can only get there through Jesus. In heaven, in Revelation, it was innumerable. Amen? Amen? We saw it. So Jesus cannot be the gate. Now, look at this in Luke 13. And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying. By the way, the gate and the door is only found in two places in the Bible. Okay, there's one. And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, 
are there few who are saved? Are there few who are saved? And he said to them, strive, agonize. The word in the Greek is literally agonize. He struggle, right? Struggle to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Strive to enter that narrow gate. Struggle, right? Agonize to do it. Now, the word are, are there, see where it says, Lord, are there few who are saved? That is in the present active tense, right? Presently right there when Jesus was saying that, that was true. Because I'm going to show you where the gate here has a meaning behind it. Okay, I'm going to let the word show you that. He goes on. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the? Notice it doesn't say gate. It says door. The gate and the door are two different things. You can try to go in through the gate. He's like agonized. Go ahead, struggle to get through the gate. But once the master shuts the door, once the master shuts the door, right? The, when once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Where you are, where you are from, then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. He's talking about right here. Obviously, it's about the Jerusalem people. It's about Israel. It's about Israel. Jesus has not died yet here, right? Big difference. How many of you guys know that when Christ died on the cross, it changed everything? Amen. Everything. Here he had not died yet. And so he's telling them, man, one day that door is going to be shut. You can strive. You can try to get there through the gate. Go ahead. Good luck. One day, though, that door is going to shut. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me. All you workers of iniquity. Now, I was always told that there's a lot of people in church that might think they're okay. That might think they're going to be in heaven. But one day Jesus is going to drop down. That's how I always pictured him coming down. To, I don't know why. He's going to drop down. And some people are going to be like, hey, how come I'm not floating right now? Why am I standing down here? And he's going to say, because I didn't know you. Right? Because you still have sin that you haven't confessed. That's how I took it. That's how it was taught to me. If you got unconfessed sin, you're not going to go to heaven. If you're, in a, if you're driving and all of a sudden you swerve and you're going off a cliff, if you don't confess every sin on the way down, you're not going to heaven. And so you're struggling. Your last thoughts are like, dang, what did I do in high school in ninth grade? I forgot. Right? And you're, you're, you're so focused on your sin, confessing your sin, that you forget to confess your Savior. The way we're saved is by confessing Jesus, not your sin. Nowhere in the Bible. Mm, mm, nowhere in the Bible. <laughs> are we told that the only way to get to heaven is confess your sin? It says confess Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. Where does it say, hey, confess your sin? 1 John 1, 9 says it, but that wasn't written to believers a whole nother message get on that little podcast thing find that one we ain't going there because <laughs> all right go back to this Matthew 7 the other spot where it's told now Matthew 7 is Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount 
right? Jesus, what happened was the Pharisees had brought the law down so they could try and keep it and manipulate it, right? Jesus took it back up. That's why it's called the Sermon on the Mount, right? The law was given on the Mount. Jesus brought it back up. These people thought they could manage sin. He said, no, you can't. You cannot do it. This is where it belongs. So when Jesus is speaking in Matthew 7, he's giving them law. He's giving them law. He's not showing much grace there. Again, he hadn't died yet. He's giving them law. So it says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the great the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. What is this gate thing, man? It, th there's some powerful stuff here. Powerful stuff. This gate. Th now, back then, there wasn't another way. This is talking about, this is referring to old saints. It's referring to the old saints. There were some who could get to heaven a certain way because they had to go. Jesus hadn't died yet. And so they were in paradise. You remember that story I told you about? They're in paradise. Just where the thief went. The thief didn't go to heaven. No one could go to heaven until Jesus first went to heaven. So there's a place called paradise. Jesus even talked about it in a parable. So you got Sheol, you got hell, and you got paradise. There's some old saints down there. Those old saints, because of sacrifices under the law, were able to go to heaven after Jesus rose. Are you with me? So this is referring to those old saints. It's not referring to us. So here's the question. What is the gate? What is this gate? The gate that is so wide that everybody's finding is the law. The law is the gate. Check this out in, Exodus, in Deuteronomy. You shall appoint judges and officers in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives you according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. The gate is the place of judgment. The gate is the place of punishment. All that stuff happens at the gate. Amen? Amen. All, those, all those, uh, those judges are seated. Remember the story at the end of Ruth? Boaz had to go to the gate of the city. That's where all the judges were. All judgment and punishment is at the gate. You with me? So what is the door? Anybody know what the door is? There's a gate, then there's a door. He's saying struggle to enter the gate. Many people are struggling to enter the gate. Many people are trying to get to heaven through their performance. Be judged by the law. Struggling to get through the gate. Many find that. Few find the door of grace. Jesus says this in John 10, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings his out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They know his voice. You don't have to wonder if you're saved or not. You know you're saved. That you don't have to wonder whether or not uh, when, when Jesus comes back, if you're going to go up with him. You can know. Listen, God wants you to be sure about that. He doesn't want you to guess. If you're guessing about your salvation, that is not from God. 
just felt the need to bust out with a little beat for you to wake you up. All right. Yep. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. Yeah, how many of you guys can go right now? You're free in Christ. You know who the door is. You know who the life giver is. You know, without a shadow of a doubt, who Jesus really is to you. How many of you guys can go to another church and listen to something different? No and receive it. You can't, because you know why? You can go, but you know the truth now. You know, you know his voice. You don't know my voice. You don't know his voice. You know his voice. His voice is actually within and you can hear it. Jesus said, hey, man, don't listen to this. This is not for you. There's no condemnation for you. When somebody tells you to get right, if somebody says, hey, here's a picture of hell, what hell's going to look like. Here's a picture of heaven. You choose. Uh, I already have. I chose Jesus. And where'd you get those pictures? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's crazy how people try to scare you into Jesus. Ladies, imagine if your future husband or someone that was courting you scared you into marrying him. Does that, is that a good place to start off a relationship? No. Why do we think that, why do we take that approach toward God who loves you unconditionally? Doesn't make any sense at all, does it? Don't let religion jack you up. Amen? Amen. Whoo, all right, that was for somebody. Oh, sorry. I just... um, <laughs> I got way off track there. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He is the door. He is the door. Jesus is the door. Not the gate. He's the door. See that? Beautiful, right? So, all whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. Just in case you didn't hear him the first time, he's the door, right? If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Not might be saved. He will be saved. Will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. Pasture is a place of peace. It's a place of rest for a sheep. It's a place where you feel protected. Right? The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, the door, your door, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's what Jesus has done. That's what the door does for you. The gate can't do that for you. The law will never be able to do that for you. The law only makes you feel guilty, like she was saying earlier. When somebody throws the law at you, you cannot be but condemned under the law. But when someone throws Jesus at you, you feel life. You feel worthy. You feel loved. You feel accepted. I had vision that happening right before I did it, man. Just call me prophet. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. Isn't this good news, church? Whew. All right. So Genesis 4, 7. So naturally, we want to know where the first place door is mentioned in the Bible, right? So, so door is mentioned right here in the Cain and Abel story. We've done this. If you do well, will you not be accepted? God told Cain. And of course, if you do well, you're going to be accepted. But, and if you do not do well, because that's what we need to hear, because we don't do well all the time, amen? Sin lies at the door, right? 
Sin lies at the door. The word sin there is sin offering. In fact, God came to Cain. Cain was not in a good place. So when someone says, God won't come to you until you get right, Cain wasn't right. And the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't let tell, somebody tell you God will never speak to those who are, who are, who are bitter. That's a lie. We, we were all bitter at some point in time, and yet Jesus still came. Yet while we were still sinning, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Amen? To die for us. So this is a, a beautiful story. There's so much in this one verse. God literally said, here is a sin offering. I'm bringing it to you. Its desire is for you. You rule over it, meaning you sacrifice it. And he refused. Next verse, he killed his brother. The first murder in the Bible is about religion. It's about religion. Because this is all about what they, how they offered to God. This do well is not, is not morally. This do well is do you, do you offer well. Cain brought the work of his hands. He brought a salad bar to God. Cain understood the blood mentality, right? He, he brought blood. He sacrificed one of his animals. Abel. Abel was accepted. Cain was not because Cain brought the works of his hands. Abel brought blood, a blood sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So this do well is not acting right. This do well is how do you offer to God? How do you approach God? Do you approach God saying, hey, this is what I've done, Lord? Or do you approach him saying, hey, this is what your son has done for me? I'm running out. I got one more right there, boy. Two, two. <laughs> I get excited. How can you not get excited about this stuff, man? feel like Richard Simmons up here back in the 80s, boy. Need to get some of them shorts. <laughs> and a perm. <laughs> Check this out. Let's see about more about a door right here. What? Hey, what was that little comment about? Huh? Y'all want to share it with everybody? Hey, check this out. Exodus 12, 23. You want to see what else happens at the door? All right. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, where do they put the blood? On the doorpost. Jesus is the door. We have access into that room by the blood of Jesus. <laughs> and it says when, when he sees the blood not when he sees you not when he sees you in all your right doing not when he sees you going to church going to the temple when he sees the blood he'll pass over we are covered by the blood of Jesus that's why the Lord doesn't hold it against us anymore he put it on Jesus if he put it all on Jesus and then said hey there's still some left then what he did to Jesus is unjust and he did not do that to his son he, he loved his son but he loved us even more because he gave us his son and I want you to know if you've been divorced he loves you does he hate divorce? Yes. He hates sin. You know why? Because he knows what it does to us. 
It breaks his heart that, that, that we had to go through those times. He doesn't want you feeling condemned. He doesn't want you feeling disqualified. He wants you to know he loves you. But that's why he hates that stuff. He doesn't hate the divorce. He, he hates the divorce. <laughs> Exodus 46, the, he told Moses this. This is what happens at the front of the temple. In, in Leviticus chapters 1 through 6, you'll see the sacrifices, right? The sacrifices were actually at the door of the temple. That's where the sacrifice took place. So look at this. Then, then he, this is God talking to Moses. Then you shall set the altar of the burnt offering before the door, the door of the tabernacle of the tent of the meeting. The tabernacle is a picture of the place of God. That's where... The, 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 the presence of God was in that ark, in the ark of the covenant. In order to get into the presence of God, you had to sacrifice something. There had to be blood there, right? Well, guess what, church? The reason we have access to God our Father now is because there's blood there. There's blood there. Blood was put there for us. We get to walk right in. The veil's torn. We get to walk right in and say, whew, Lord, listen, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I've been eating so much. I've been, I've been gluttonizing. I've been communicizing with the table more than I should. And I just want you to know, I need some help. And the Lord's like, okay, I got you, son. I got you. I'm going to let you know through your wife that you need to put that second part down. Don't go to the dessert table. Don't, don't, and your daughter, listen, don't, don't eat that second slice of cake. All right? It's going to sound like it's coming from them, but it's from me because I love you, son. That was for somebody. <laughs> a second place that's mentioned in the Bible. We're looking at doors. Go home, look at it. I can't tell you enough about the doors. There's so many. I had to, a second place, I had to take stuff out. I had, to, I had to take stuff out of this thing, right? You shall make a window for the ark. The window, guys, by the way, and you shall finish it into a cubit from above. And set it on the door of the ark on its side. Set the door of the ark on its side. The door was on the side of the ark. The window in the ark was up. It looked up, right? Because God didn't want them looking at the storm. He wanted them looking at him. Keep your eye on me, right? And he put pitch around it. The word pitch there is the same word that we have for redemption. That boat was covered by redemption. Hey, how's that? Amen. It's beautiful. All that stuff's in there, right? Always points to the work of Jesus. So the door here was on the side of the ark. This is a picture of Jesus on the cross, church. This is when, when he was wounded right here, right? He was stabbed right here. Now that blood and water flow. That's the church comes out of him. The church. So here, it's a place of, it's a, it's a place of rebirth. It's, it's where we get new life. We come out of Jesus. He is the door. Amen. All right, Genesis 18.1, we've done this before, where, where the Lord appeared to Abraham by the terebinth trees of, of Mamre as he was sitting, sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So I want you to know, when the heat is on, sit. How do I, why do I say sit? When did the Lord come to him? As he was sitting. In the heat of the day, man, if, if the battle's raging in your life, sit. Sit. Don't say, who do I call? 
Don't say, I got to call Pastor Dwayne or Pastor Troy. Listen, you can't do that, but your first thought should be sit, rest. Because why? The Lord, the Lord who is for you will come to you and minister to you. In fact, he's in you already. The way we activate that is not by stressing, but by relaxing. It's the opposite of what the world teaches. The world says, man, what are you going to do about this? Satan's in your head going, what are you going to do about this? You got to, you got to, I'm going to sit. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit, I'm going to rest, and not stress, and I'm going to thank my Lord that he's going to make this work for me. As he was sitting. You could do a whole sermon on that, but y'all like, look, you've done 10 already. All right, we got to go. So this is Abraham. Abraham had a nephew who was not like him. Abraham was at the, at the door, at the door resting, and the Lord showed up to him. This is Genesis 18.1. He had, listen, he had a nephew who was also righteous, according to Peter, but he was a defeated righteous person. He was a defeated Christian. He represents those Christians that, that are saved, but they're not living like they're saved because they're, they're just out doing whatever they want to do. He, Lot chose to live in Sodom. He was an elder of Sodom. Who, uh, <laughs> I was going to tell a story, but it's not for us. Look. Look, Genesis 19.1, the next chapter. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate. Abraham was sitting at the door, got life. In fact, this, the angel said, hey, you're going to have a baby, right? Lot sitting at the gate, which represents the law. Guess what happens, man, when you sit at the law, the gate of the law? destruction's coming. That's what it was meant for. That's what it was designed for, to show you that you need help. Abraham sitting at the door, Lot sitting at the gate. Isn't that interesting? Nothing's in there by chance, amen? So look at Deuteronomy 17.5. Just want to remind you what the gate's all about. Then you shall bring out to your gates the man or woman who has committed that wicked thing, sin. I believe Erica experienced this. She was sitting at a gate over a phone. Anybody else experienced that in their life? Anybody else been condemned by religious people in your lifetime? Hey, let me just apologize. I, too, was one of those guys. I was the chief sinner who would condemn people for this. I put people, I condemned myself for this. But thanks be to God, he restored me. He changed my way of thinking. I have repented toward God, and I now see that my role in life is to encourage people. It, even the worst people, because when you encourage the worst people, which I am the worst of the worst, man, you, when people can see it in me, then there's hope. If you saw me in high school, I can't speak for you. You saw me in high school, you'd be shocked that I'm where I'm at right now. And, and I'm shocked sometimes of where I'm at right now. But I'm grateful. I'm thankful. I, I know that the Lord is using me. I know that all that stuff I went through, I know that the attempted suicides, the, the, the being molested, I know all that stuff that I went through was to get me here, to be effective. So when people disqualify you, you tell them to get behind you because the Lord's got a purpose for you. Dang it. That's what happens when you do stuff in the flesh, amen? You get excited, though, man. I'm, I'm ready to tackle something. Not him. 
Hey, send him up here. <laughs> Caleb's like, you're going to have to go through me first, bro. All right, back to Genesis 19.1. This last thing real quick. Now, the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Lot is righteous at this point, right? He's righteous. He's just defeated. He's still living in sin. That's what Sodom is, right? And, and he said, here now, my lords, please turn to your serpent servant's house let's go to my house and spend the night and wash your feet then you may rise early and go on your way and they said no but we will spend the night in the open square but he insisted strongly so they turned into him and entered his house then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and they ate now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, and all the people from every quarter surrounded the house, surrounded the house, and they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. I don't want to explain that. So Lot went out to them through the doorway. You see, at the gate, he wasn't safe, but in his house, he was safe. In the house, he was safe. But he had to go back out through the doorway. He went out through the doorway. Where the heck am I, man? Oh, oh, and he shut the door behind him. He shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let them bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. <laughs> Listen, Lot is a compromising Christian. That is horrible. But he's not thinking. He's thinking he's doing the right thing for the Lord. Do you think for one second God wants that to happen? No. But when you become a, a, a righteous Christian, but you forget you're righteous and you're, and you're compromising with your sin, that's the kind of mentality you have. You're not thinking with a godly mind. You're not thinking with peace in your mind. You're thinking with fear in your mind. And another interesting thing is that his two daughters are virgins, but they're married. Crazy, right? Uh, only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. Then they said, this one came in to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to the break down the door. The enemy was coming to break down the door. They pressed up against them. Sometimes as Christians, we feel pressed up against the door. But let me show you what happens, man. They were pressed up against the door, and, and, and they wanted to break it down. But the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. Anytime the enemy comes at you, Jesus is always there. He's always there. He's your protection. He pulls you back in and he shuts the door you got to know that in that house you're protected you got to know that if you teach your children that jesus is the door of your house they are protected you got to know that social media can't get to them tv can't get to them phone calls can't get to them because they're protected in the house the enemy will try to break down the door it'll try to break down jesus but it can't it's defeated And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness. You are protected. You don't have to fight that enemy. You got you to let the Lord pull you back in. 
Shut that door of protection. He'll take care of the enemy for you. He blinded them. There was a group of them. They could have busted down that door. Almost the whole city was there, man. They could have busted down that door, but they protected him. He was safe inside the door. Outside the door, between the gate and the door, he's not safe. Inside the door, he's safe. Inside Christ, you are safe. Both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. They couldn't find the door. Religious people can't find the door. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 that the small God of this world has blinded their minds to Jesus. Last verse. Nope, not the last verse. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, man, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Let me get to the last verse. Hosea 2.15. I just like to say Hosea. By the way, the Joseph story, Joseph sent out his brothers, his brothers came back to him, right? And uh, the, the, the unnamed servant, which is the Holy Spirit, always drawing attention to Jesus, went out to him, met them in the doorway. Met them in the doorway. That's where their good news came, in the doorway. All right, you can go back and read that. It's good stuff. Last verse, Hosea. I will get, we need to remember this. This is for you, church. This is for you. You can never forget this. I will give her, her is the church, then it's Israel. Today it's the church. I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Accor as a door of hope. Door of hope. She shall sing there uh, as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. In other words, once you were enslaved, the Bible says we were held captive by the law. But man, we're not there anymore. We can come out with singing. We can come out with worship, with praise, because we're not in captivity anymore. And once we figure that out, listen to that. As in the days of her youth, the world will tell you, hey, you're getting old. That's why things are happening. You're aging. There's no aging for a Christian. Man, I pray. Abraham was 100 years old. The Bible said he took off running. I pray in the name of Jesus that everybody in this room, when they're 100 years old, they're still running for Jesus. Amen? amen. Say amen. You received that. We're two or three are gathered. It's the truth. We got to run, man. We can run and run and run. When people say, hey, aging is a process. Aging is going to happen to you. No, it's not. He will renew your youth. As in the days of her youth, right? But look at this. He always gives you a door of hope. Always gives you a door of what? Hope. Door of hope. Don't let any circumstance you go through tell you there's no hope. There's always a door of hope. Valley of Accor. Anybody know what Accor means? I don't either. <laughs> I do, but I wanted to show you. There it is. Oh. There it is right there. Trouble. Trouble. Anybody go through a valley of trouble? Valley of the shadow of death? <laughs> Listen, in that valley, God provides a door of hope. A door of hope. That's what we hold on to. It doesn't matter if you get message like, hey, we just found cancer in your body. Well, guess what? There's a door of hope. Hey, you know what? You're about to lose your house. There's a door of hope. That should be our first thought. There's a, door. There's a reason this is happening, and the Lord's going to make it right. He's going to make it good. He's, I can have a confident expectation in him doing it. 
Hey, you're about to lose your marriage. Hold up. There is a door of hope in my marriage. His name is Jesus. We're a three-quarter strand. We're not a two-quarter strand. We're a three-quarter strand. So you take that nonsense and flee in the name of Jesus. Amen? Hey, there's a chance you might not go to heaven. <laughs> that is just dumb. If you're a believer and you confess Jesus with your mouth and you believe in your heart that he's alive today, don't let anybody tell you you're not going to heaven. Don't anybody play those mind games with you. That's from the enemy. That's not from the Lord. The Lord said, I write these things so that you may know. Not that you may guess. He doesn't want you guessing. He wants you knowing. How are you going to tell somebody else about him if you're not even sure? When a pastor says that, you know why he says it? Because he's not sure. If he's not sure, don't go to that church. That's all I got. Hey, stand up and give Jesus a hand. I'm sweating to death. I'm sweating the life. <laughs> I'm sweating the life up here, boy. All right, pastor, come rescue him. <laughs> Amen. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give God a praise for that word. Amen. Now let's go before the throne of grace. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we bless your name. We thank you for all the provision that you've made for us in Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the door, the door of hope. You are our confident expectation of good. We thank you that we can come to you. We thank you that you're always present. We thank you, Lord, that we can never be lost. But once we have been found, we are found forever. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you do and all that you're going to do in our lives. With you, we have great hope. And, Father, we thank you for the anticipation that we have of seeing your, your word and your promises come to pass in our lives. Because of you, we will never be without hope, never be without a confident expectation of good. Father, remind us of that as often as we need it. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the life, God, that was breathed into us today, that we were able to receive to hear and receive by faith. We thank you, Father, for blessing us, Father, with this opportunity and ability now to take this gospel, this good news of your grace and your love for us, Father, to the world. Thank you, Father, for every opportunity that you've, that you've given us to do this. Thank you, Father, for the places that you have set us and you've put us to be an ambassador of Christ. Father, at our jobs, in the marketplace, Father, no matter where we go, we thank you for your presence and for your word that's richly, deeply planted in our hearts and in our minds. We bless you and thank you for giving us the power of life and death in our tongue and giving us the encouragement, the boldness, and the faith to speak life into every situation. Father, we thank you for that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray that the church say amen. 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 We are dismissed.